Greetings, everybody. It is such a great blessing for me to come to you today and bring the gospel of God's grace to you once again. It is all about his influence and what he has come to give us in the finished work of Jesus Christ. It's not about our works. I want to welcome everybody, and uh, especially those that have been slotting in for the first time. This webcast is all about the grace of God. It's all about the kingdom of God and what he has come to do. It's not about our works. It's about the work of God in us, which works effectively unto the bringing forth of the fruit of God, the, the very life of God in our lives. Now, as we start this service, let us just pray together. Father, I want to thank you that we can gather you together in your name, that we can gather in the name of Jesus, and that we can know that Jesus is Lord. He is the one that rules. He is our King. He is our Lord. He is our president. He's the only one to whom we bow our knee. For he's also the one that has come to serve us and give us life. Father, thank you that you speak powerfully through me today by the Holy Spirit that was poured out by Jesus Christ. Thank you that I can bring a message of life that will set people free today. In Jesus' mighty name, amen. <clears throat> today I would like to talk about Peter and what his view was on the kingdom of God while walking with Jesus on the earth. We're going to look at a famous passage in the Bible. That's the part where Peter denied the Lord you know, three times, or where it was prophesied that he would deny the Lord three times, where he basically said that he would lay down his life for Jesus. I'm going to take that and make it applicable into the here and now today, and we're going to talk a little bit about how we are supposed to look at the kingdom of God in the light of our political situation, what's going on in the world, what we should think of the kingdom of God in the light of our constitutions and all those kind of things. The message that I am going to teach today can, well, I trust it will be thought-provoking, and it might upset some folk, might get you a bit hot under the collar, but this message is... I believe the truth, and this is what has brought freedom to my life. Our freedom is greater than the freedom that this world can offer. Our freedom cannot be touched. Our peace cannot be touched. It is in Jesus, and Jesus Christ is Lord. Okay, I'm going to start off by reading John 13, verse 37 to 38, and then just explain to you the context there, what had to be going on in Peter's mind. Whenever you read the Bible, you need to think of what would be going on in the minds of the people at that time. And that is just called context. To contextually look at any passage in the scripture is the correct way to look at it. And from the true context, we can see what God is saying to us today, which is not part of the context of that passage. So to have a message that is contextually accurate, always gives context to the kingdom in the here and now. So we cannot just take the scripture and try and apply it directly to our lives today. We have to look at what it said in its context, and that would be an application to our lives. Amen. So we, what I mean by that is we cannot interpret the scripture in the light of our, our uh, context. It has to be in the biblical context, and that's what we're going to do here. We also have to look at what Jesus was thinking of, what was going on in his mind when he answered Peter. Now, here we go. John 13, 37. Peter said unto him, Lord, why cannot I follow you now? 
I will lay down my life for your sake. Jesus answered him, Will you lay down your life for my sake? Truthfully, I say unto you, the cock shall not grow until you have denied me three times. I think we would have to add verse 36. I forgot to read 36 here. Let us just start with 36. 36 says, Simon Peter said unto him, Lord, where do you go? Jesus answered him, Where I go, you cannot follow me now, but you shall follow me. Peter said unto him, Lord, why can I not follow you now? I will lay down your life for my sake. And then Jesus said to him, Will you lay down your life for my sake? You'll deny me three times. And then it goes over into chapter 14, verse 1. Let not your heart be troubled. Believe in God. Believe also in me. Now, that is a very, very um, profound thing to say in the context of what was going on. Jesus was saying to Peter that I am going, where I'm going, you cannot follow me now. Now, we've always seen that as death, that Jesus was dying <clears throat> and that Peter could not follow him at that moment. Now, just if we just think rationally about it, it cannot be true because if death was the context here, Peter would have been able to follow him. Uh, Peter could have committed suicide and entered death. It would be possible for Peter to follow Jesus into death. But I believe that Jesus was not talking about death. He was talking about the resurrection. He was talking about eternal, immortal, uh, immortality in the body, wherein he would be seated as a human at the right hand of God. And he said to Peter, you cannot follow me to that condition, into that condition right now, but there will be a day when you will follow me. We all know that that day is still awaiting Peter, wherein, which is the day of the resurrection. Now, what Peter had in mind here was to preserve Jesus. He basically said to Jesus, Jesus, uh, I think, and this is how I see it, I think that you're now going to die, but I'm willing to lay down my life for your sake. So yes, if you must die, or if you're going to die, I want to just say, I'm willing to give my life to protect you. I'm going to give my life to keep you alive. Peter was thinking that Jesus was in need of his life to keep his kingdom going in this world. Now, to make it practical into the here and now, that is what many of us think because we don't understand the kingdom. We don't understand what Jesus Christ has come to do what God's objective was, what his dream was for humanity. So many times we are willing to lay down our lives to keep Jesus going. We want to keep Jesus going in our politics. We want to keep Jesus going in our country. And we are saying that we are willing to lay down our lives to save Jesus. We want to lay down our lives, and this can be touchy, but I want you to listen to what I want to say. We want to lay down our lives for our constitutions because our constitution is what we think is, is allowing Jesus to work in our country. In South Africa, we've got freedom of religion. We've got a democracy. So, and that is the same for most of the countries in Europe as well as Ameri the Americas. Now, if we think that we need a constitution to allow for Christianity in order for Christianity to be alive and that we are willing to give our lives 
we are willing to put everything on the line so that we can have a, a good constitution, so that we can keep Christianity alive, we are in the very same mistake as what Peter was. We are thinking that we need to give our life to keep Christianity going. I've got news for you. We don't have to keep Christianity going. We don't have to keep the kingdom of God going in the earth. The kingdom of God is an ever-advancing kingdom. It means that the kingdom of God can never go backward. It means that it, it is not like a battle, you know, where in some places Jesus wins, then he loses two battles, and then he advances in this area, and then he, the kingdom becomes smaller and then bigger and smaller and bigger. And so uh, while God is getting us to get our act together so that we can get the things going in our country so that through constitutions and those kind of things, we can basically keep the kingdom going, and that's how God is advancing his kingdom. It doesn't work like that. The kingdom of God is an ever-advancing kingdom. It means it never goes back, not one day. It is ever-advancing. It is never going backwards. And the kingdom of God is not what, the kingdom of God is what keeps us alive. We don't have to try and keep the kingdom of God going through whatever we do. The kingdom of God is and has been inaugurated in the earth when Jesus Christ walked the earth and was raised from the dead. When Jesus was seated at the right hand of the Father, he was appointed as the one with all authority in heaven and on earth, and through him, peace and joy and love and kindness and the very quality of God's life is poured out in those that believe upon him. And Jesus is advancing his kingdom in the world. He is bringing forth who and what he is in this world. Now, we can find that as a part of the advancing of the kingdom, we will find people that are in political uh, authority and those kind of things that do show the fruit of the kingdom in their lives. Yet the very kingdom of God is not kept alive by the position they have. Therefore, we don't have to give our lives for something that we think allows the kingdom of God whereby we have life. In the Roman kingdom, it worked like this. Rome and Caesar worship was the highest form of worship of the day. In Rome, Caesar worship was the highest worship. Then there were different gods that Caesar and Rome allowed people to worship. And that was for political peace. That's the only way. In other words, keep the Caesar happy. Keep Rome happy, for then they will allow Judaism or they will allow whatever God you believe in to be worshipped. Uh, make sure that you, you keep the, the Roman government in such a way they can allow for your God to exist. And that is what I find many of us think. We think that if we don't give our lives to keep our constitution, the constitution of our country, then our kingdom or the kingdom of God will not have free rule or free reign in our country. That is not true. As long as what anything, and this is a touchy subject, but as anything that demands your blood to stay alive, in other words, it needs your life to keep it alive, that system is in need of life and cannot provide life. That means that no political party that needs your vote 
can provide anything to you that God has promised. This is what Peter tried to do. Lord, I will lay down my life to keep you alive. I will lay down my life to keep you going. Then he said to Peter, Peter, listen, let me tell you something. Where I'm going is not, and I'm now using my understanding of that passage and explain it, where I'm going is not a geographical place. It is a condition. And the condition which I am going into now is bodily immortality. And Jesus, in his mind, had to have the resurrection in mind. Peter, you cannot follow me there. I will prepare a place for you, a mansion. And we're going to look at what mansion means. I'm going to prepare a place for you, but you cannot follow me now. But I will come back and then I will take you into that condition, but you cannot follow me now. In the very same way, I want to say to all of you there, and I'm saying this to myself, there's nothing that I can do to make the kingdom of God advance in the world. I am kept by the kingdom of God. I am in the hands of Jesus. It's not as if Jesus is holding me and then we need to create the platform that keeps the hand of God in the earth to be effective. That's not how it works. The freedom that God has given us is so robust that we don't need the things of this world to have true freedom in our heart. If we, and let's make it practical into the here and now, if we are saying our freedom as Christians, if we say we don't have freedom anymore because we must wear a mask, then you're also saying that my freedom is taken away by the legislation as pertaining to mosques meaning that your freedom is subject to the ruling government and not above it. The freedom that God has given me is that I can be happy, full of joy, and have excessive joy and the life of God, no matter an open face or a mask. Some might be very upset by hearing this because you're not going to take my freedom away by telling me I must wear a mask. Listen, a mask, if you understand the kingdom of God, can never take away your freedom. It cannot take away your joy. It cannot take away your peace if you wear it or if you don't wear it. It might be a little bit more comfortable not wearing a mask. And if you ask me, I would say, man, I don't want to wear a mask. And if you ask my opinion about masks, I would just say, well, my opinion is, man, you don't have to wear a mask. That's my opinion. But if that's not the government's opinion and I'm forced to wear a mask, what am I going to do? Am I now going to say, they took my freedom away? Now, you've, immediately you've now redefined your freedom as a Christian. And now you live as if you don't have any freedom anymore and it speaks to the depth of your heart when you feel, I don't have freedom. And you feel so upset because your freedom, and now you're going to give your life for freedom, the freedom not to wear a mask. But I want to tell you as a Christian, your freedom is more robust than a mask or not a mask. You can have an equally big smile. Maybe somebody cannot see the smile, but they can see from the wrinkles around your eyes that you're smiling because of the eternal life that you know you possess because of Jesus Christ. Why do we want to take everything that God has given us, our definitions of freedom, of peace, of joy and life, because we are not part of this world, but we're part of a, a different world and now define it inside the systems of this world. It's not needed. I once met a man that's truly free 
in so many areas of his life. Many of you would have would know this story and would be familiar with the story that I've told. I've told it many times. I went to Malawi, the southern parts of Malawi. Malawi, if you go and look at a map, it's got a small piece of the country going like just a narrow piece down into Mozambique and both sides of the of Malawi there is is it's basically hugged by uh, by Mozambique. Went into that very mountainous area there, very poor area where we went. There was no electricity, no running water, toilet, no proper toilets, none of that, none of that. Poverty forgotten by the government, um, just not cared for. There was a preacher that heard the good news message and it impacted his life. He was happy every day. I never saw him not happy. He was flooded with joy, flooded with generosity and all those things. He built himself a house with a iron sheet roof, and he was upgrading from the typical mud hut with a thatch roof to this a bit better house. The house was not very big. It was a small, small house, two rooms, that's all. And we came there, and he showed us his house that he's building, and we saw that he needed maybe... I don't know if it was four iron sheets or something like that to finish the roof. And he could only buy two iron sheets a month with the money that he made by uh, fishing. And he invited us to come and eat a meal at his house. So we went to that house two or three days later after he showed us the house and there was no iron, oh, there was no uh, concrete floor, nothing. It was just sand, but he had a table there and he had chairs for 10 people because the team was about 10, nine or 10 people. And we were all there and we were eating. And as we just started to eat, I looked up and I saw that the iron sheets aren't there anymore. There's maybe two or three left. And what this guy did was he went and sold his roof to give us a meal. Now, his democratic system wasn't as democratic as what it was supposed to be. The government forgot him. He didn't have running water. His kids didn't have proper schooling. He had none of those things. His life was everything that we fear. His life was in that. He didn't have proper money. He didn't have roads. He had nothing. Yet that man... His freedom and his joy was so robust that none of those things could stop the life of God that manifests in him to shine forth and impact all of us. And when I looked at what that man did, I, I want to tell you, if you tell him you must wear a mask, he's not going to say, you've taken my freedom away. He's not going to say that. You cannot take his freedom away, for his freedom is born from God. If you want to say, well, it's going to be more comfortable to not wear a mask, and I think that that is not healthy, and, and you want to raise your voice towards that, no, that's fine. But let us not do it from a perspective as if the freedom that Christ has given us is taken away. Let us still be overjoyed with the joy of God and deal with these little things, little things, a little minute little speck is politics, man. It's just nothing. It is absolutely nothing. We don't have to keep our government and our constitutions going to give a helping hand to Jesus. 
We don't have to do that. His kingdom is an ever-advancing kingdom that can never end. And we go into Jesus saying to him, Jesus, we will lay down our lives for your sake. Jesus telling you, listen, where I am and the condition I am now, you cannot receive it right now. You will receive it in the day that I return. But as for now, in the context of the New Testament, we can have the spirit of that life and so experience the first fruit of that life in the here and now. Meaning that we will have enough of the life that is promised us to have an abundant life here. And that abundant life is seen in the poor man in Malawi, which which is so abundant that he was an example of the life of God to us who had much more than him. The problem is what we have done, church, and I'm just speaking truthfully to you. We have taken our culture and we've evangelized our culture and we've brought our culture into Christianity and we think that Christianity will preserve our culture so that we can have life. And that is not the truth. That is not the truth. We need to have, and I don't want to say we need, the life that God has come to provide for us is more robust than anything of this world. You know, I've, I spoke to you guys last week about my son having the operation and all those kind of things, and we thought that we were going to pick him up on the Sunday, but we didn't. We got him on the Monday, and the operation he had uh, was about a, I think the doctor said a two-hour operation that they did on him, and the doctor said that the the uh, appendix mass they removed out of him was the biggest that he's ever seen. Uh, he said to me, he sat me down and my son on Thursday when we had to go and see him again when they removed the drain, and he said to me, sir, I just want to be honest with you, but what happened to your son, most people that that, that happens to don't survive it. Now, I say that to you. Um, now, first I'm going to say this. My son is okay. He's doing very, very well. He's almost back to normal. And I'm very grateful for that. But when I prayed for my son, the robust peace and joy and life that I could, the foundation from where I could pray, sounded like this. My, my wife and I and my younger son, the other one, Henry, wasn't here, we gathered here in my studio, and we prayed. And this was my prayer. I said, Lord, I want to come to you like Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego came. I know that you can heal my son. But I just want to say, if for some reason I'm not seeing healing manifest in him, I will not be able to stop to believe in you and have life from you. For my life is not found in do my son survive an operation or not? Do my, because at that time, remember, we didn't know what was going on. And the sonar, they just saw like a growth, eight by eight centimeters. We didn't know what it was. First thing that comes to your mind is this is maybe a cancer. We don't know what it is. I mean, and, the, and the, um, the message of death comes to you. And when the message of death came to me, this was the power of the kingdom of God. That even if my son, my firstborn son, would die, it cannot rob me from what God has given me in Jesus. For he shall be saved in this sense that he shall also, even if he bodily die, be raised from the dead. 
and so shall I if Jesus comes in my life and my son has died. He will be raised first, and then I will be changed, and we shall inherit the mansion from heaven, which is an immortal glorified body. So if the life of my son is not even, if that must, if he had to die, and that cannot take away my peace, my, my, the peace that was born from God, how can a mosque or what a president, uh, I almost want to say stupid, political leaders who have their life born from the things of this world, how can their stupidity, arrogance, and all those kind of things be any source from where I give my, get my life if I am presented with something that's so much greater? Church, we cannot say that Jesus is Lord, but live as if he's not Lord. He's either Lord or he's not Lord. He is Lord, and he's not Lord of heaven, and then the presidents and the governments is the lords of this world now, and having a little drop of the kingdom of God being dropped into the, this system. That's not how it works. That's not how it works. The kingdom of God is something that's greater than the things of this world. The governments of this world is only here to help us, or not even to help us, to provide a framework of legislation as pertaining to how our roads work, schooling, and those kind of things. It is like a, a, a speck of nothing in the light of what God has given us. Because we have seen in this world, in countries like Malawi, in Zambia, in Places like North Korea, China, all those places, we have seen Christians that is flooded with a peace and a joy that's greater than everything we hope for in our westernized systems. And they have none of what we fight for and bleed for and are willing to go to war for. Jesus said it very clearly. He said in, um, in John 18 verse 33, he said it this way, and I think, let me read it. Let, let me read John 18.33. Then Pilate entered into the judgment hall again and called Jesus and said unto him, are you the king of the Jews? And Jesus said to him, Say you this thing of yourself, or do others tell you that of me? Pilate answered, Am I a Jew? Your own nation and your chief priests have delivered you up unto me. What have you done? Jesus answered and said, Listen to this. My kingdom is not of this world, although the kingdom is now manifesting in this world, but it's not of this world. If my kingdom were of this world, then would my servants fight that I should not be delivered to the Jews, but now is my kingdom not from here. Okay, so if you fight for something, this is what Jesus says, whatever you fight for that needs your life to keep it going, whatever you fight for means you've defined it as a worldly kingdom and there's no life from it. Know that. I'm not saying you cannot fight for things. I'm not saying you cannot fight for uh, some form of justice in your schooling system and in your government and those kind of things. But as long as what you know, that that is the world system and that Jesus is not 
that is not the kingdom of God. That's all. The problem that I see is, is that we try to amalgamate these things and make the system of this world the uh, God-infused system wherein it is almost as if God cannot live without a certain political party. And that cannot work like that. That will destroy you. That will make you want to be upset to the depth of your core. It, you will be shaken in the depth of your belief if some things go on politically that you don't think is, should be. Peter came and he thought that he should fight for Jesus. But Jesus said, because my kingdom is not of this world, my disciples are not fighting. I am not of this world where and I fight with people. I've come to take over. That is the thing. He's not fighting with any pe person for a position. He's above all power. He's above all authority. He's above all these things. And that is what he has come to bring forth. Now, when Jesus corrected Peter, this is what he said. He says, let not your heart be troubled. What is a troubled heart? A troubled heart is a heart that believes that you need to fight to keep the kingdom of God going. Jesus is not in need of any vote to keep his kingdom going. I want to tell you that Jesus' kingdom is giving you life. If it wasn't for the kingdom of God, there would not be any existence of anything. That is how it works. And we are born of that kingdom. And what we should do as Christians is have our focus on the right kingdom. Have our focus on Jesus. Glory to God. And not be consumed by, by what is going on in this world. I don't care about what's happening with the corona thing. I'm just saying straight out. My mind says this. Naturally, I would want a good economy. I would want jobs to be there. I wouldn't want any person to die of the coronavirus and all those kind of things. But we know that we have people that manage these things at the moment, and we see some things we agree with, some things we don't agree with. But that is not the source from where I'm not of that. Neither are you. Neither is Jesus. And the peace has come to give us is that even, and use an example from my own life, that when I go and pray, I didn't go and pray and I say, Lord Jesus, you know, I claim this, I claim that. I just said, I want to just claim this or declare this, that the peace that I have is more robust than in than how long my son lives. It's greater. We shall be raised. The, Church, there needs to come a place, a time in our lives where we see a life born from the reality of what God has done in Christ. I think that we have taken the kingdom of heaven and we've only made it heavenly and in heaven and that it's got no place in the earth. The earth is about politics and all these rulers and police and this and whatever, black lives matter, what this life matter, pink life matter, whatever life matter. I want to say this, the only life that matters is eternal life. That's the only life that matters. Because if your life is not eternal, what does it matter? You are dust, you return back to dust. What's going to mat what matters is if you can live forever. That's what truly matters. 
and we can get caught up in all these kind of things and shootings and riots and whatever. We've had that in South Africa for many years. After a while, watching those things, you can watch it and you can watch it and you can watch it and all it brings you is sadness, despair, doubt. It is a place, it's a thing that wants to lead you into a place of temptation and all those kind of things. Let's have our focus on the resurrected Jesus and what he tells us and what he gives us. Jesus comes and he tells Peter, Peter, don't let your heart be troubled. A troubled heart is a heart that thinks on what he needs to give to keep the kingdom of God going. He says, you believe that God is an eternal God. You believe in him, but also believe in me. You believe that there's a good God in heaven that has got no beginning, no end, no, uh, no death, all of that. You believe that. But I want you to also believe in me. I go to my father to prepare a place for you. What is that place? That place is in eternal life, eternal security. That is what he's talking about. Second Corinthians 5. Let us just um, read that. Second Corinthians 5. He says, I go, I, I go to my father to prepare a place for you. In my father's house there are many mansions. Let's look at what that mansion is. For we know that if our earth, earthly house of this tabernacle were dissolved, we have a building of God. This is now the the tabernacle of heaven, a house not made with hands, eternal in the heavens. For in this we groan, earnestly desiring to be clothed upon with our house which is from heaven. If so be that being clothed we shall not be found naked. For we that are in this tabernacle, or in this house, do groan, being burdened not for us that we would be unclothed, but that we would be clothed upon, that mortality might be swallowed up of life. So what is the mansion that God has prepared for us in Jesus? It is eternal life bodily. That is what he has promised. So now he says, I'm going to my father. Don't let your heart be troubled. You want to preserve your own life. Listen, you believe that God has promised you, God is a God of eternal life, but believe in me that I can go to the Father and that I can prepare a place for you where you can be eternally secured bodily, wherein you will be preserved and that this whole world will be preserved. You believe in God, but believe also in me. If it was not possible for me to give you this eternal life, I would have told you. But I now go to my Father to prepare a place for you in bodily immortality. And if it wasn't so, I would have told you. But I will come to you again, talking about the return of Jesus Christ, and then I will receive you unto myself, meaning that when Jesus returns, he will receive us unto who and what he is bodily, and so he will live with us in eternal glory as well as um, in that glory, this whole of the cosmos will be drawn into that. And that's where we find our life. That's where we find our peace. I've looked at, at friends of mine in these times going through very difficult times in their businesses and all those kind of things. And yet in all these times, while I could see that cognitively they do have some stress, it, internally, in the heart, nothing could remove the peace of God from them. And that is where life is. We have our eyes fixed on Jesus. We cannot have our life born from the things of this world. It's born from him. Now you might say, Bertie, that's not where I'm at the moment. What can I do? What can I do to have my life uh, sorted out? This is it. It says here, let not your heart be troubled. 
Believe in God, believe also in me. What do you need to do? Go and ask Jesus, Jesus, what have you come to bring me? What have you come to give me? Show to me how you are the king and the ruler. I want to read Matthew, uh, Isaiah 9, 6. For unto us a child is born, unto us a son is given, and the government shall be upon his shoulder. Say this with me. The government shall be upon his shoulder. Why do you think that God put this in the Bible? Why was um, Isaiah inspired to write this? Why did this make the canon? Why did it make our Bible? For what reason? This was prophesied. Jesus has come to fulfill that. It says here that the government shall be upon his shoulder. Now the question is, on whose shoulder is the government? On Jesus' shoulder. So, Bertie, do you want to tell me that you want to just live like kind of mind over matter? Do you just want to say, well, Jesus is Lord, and because Jesus is Lord, you're now just going to continue in the bliss of thinking Jesus is Lord and have a life born from him? Yes. Amen. Yes, that's what I'm saying. That's what I'm saying. That is what Paul was saying. That is what all those people were saying. If you go and read Acts, go and read from Acts 18, round about there, you will see that they took Paul and those people and they threw them in jail because they said, he, he's preaching another king. He's preaching another king. That was what he was preaching. And yet he was saying that that kingdom is not of this world, but it's in this world and it's taking over. You need to understand that the people of Jesus' time, Herod, he was, when he heard about the king that was to be born, he wanted to kill the babies because he knew that the kingdom would take over his kingdom. And that was exactly what the apostles were preaching. And we as Christians have a life born from that kingdom in the here and now. So, Bertie, does that mean I'm not allowed to vote or any of those? Listen, what I'm saying is if you want to vote, go and vote. Do it this way. You can have peace until voting day without even b being bothered about anything that's said. You already know what party you're going to vote for anyway. Just be honest with yourself. And then if you're not sure about the party, you can right there go to the place where you need to vote. You pray to God what you must do and you feel what it tells you in your heart and you do it and from election to election you just have your heart flooded with the kingdom of God and what he's saying to you and I tell you now you'll have a much better you'll have peace you'll have peace and you will politically make a much bigger influence because you'll have a life that is born from God you will love like nobody else you will be more generous than nobody else you will have the kingdom of God flow from you and impact your society and the people right around you so but Bertie shouldn't I be informed then listen the in this week they had a jailbreak in town here you know what happened when that jailbreak was, I immediately had people contacting me. Bertie, there's a jailbreak. 69 people broke out of jail. We made the BBC News <laughs> right here in our town. They were running in front of the shops a few street blocks from me. And when I needed to know that, I knew that. It wasn't as if I had to watch the news right from Eastern, Eastern Europe all over the over Europe, the Americas, to the southern tip of Brazil, and all of Africa to make sure that I'm informed that I, you maybe just need to know what's in your neighborhood, man, for yourself. We carry the problems of the whole world. 
We carry everything in our minds because there's too much information out there that we are addicted to. What happens practically in our minds, church, is we need a kick every time. We need a, 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 a that feel-good hormone. I don't know. What is that feel-good hormone in your brain? I, serotonin. We need a serotonin dose every now and then. That's what we need. You know, and when, we, when we watch a, a, a video of three or four minutes of a shocking thing, it releases a feel-good hormone all the time in our life. And then we don't get that feel good anymore from a good business deal we've done or any of those kind of things. And we get addicted to these things and it's always running in that and we don't have peace in our hearts. It's a very good thing to delete your YouTube app maybe and watch, no, on a Sunday I'm going to watch a message or something like that. You will not die. You've got the Spirit of God. He's the one that will give you life. He's the one that will give you peace. The Bible says you will have the Holy Ghost and He will guide, he will guide you in all truth. That's what the Scripture says. The government shall be upon His shoulder and His name shall be called Wonderful Counsel, Counselor, the Mighty God, the Everlasting Father, the Prince of Peace giving peace in the midst of turmoil, of the increase of his government. Say this with me. Of the increase of his government and peace, there shall be no end upon the throne of David, upon his kingdom, to order it and to establish it. So what did he do just to come and tell us about it? No, no. Jesus has come to order and to establish his kingdom in this world. How will it take place? By people having renewed hearts. The problem today is not who's leading the country. The problem is unrenewed hearts. That's the problem. Our answer doesn't land on Air Force One. That's not the answer. The answer is people believing that Jesus is the Lord and then as they believe upon him that Jesus was bodily raised from the dead and that it gives them the hope of bodily immortality, the spirit of that life will be poured out in those people and from there Jesus governs in this world and bring forth life in those. That's how it works. And that's how he establishes with judgment and justice from henceforth, the scripture says, this talks about 2,000 years ago when Jesus was raised from the dead, from henceforth, even forever. And how will this manifest? The zeal of the Lord of hosts will perform this. Meaning, you rest. I'll perform it. You believe. That's all. Glory to God. Well, Barry, that sounds to me as if you're so heavenly minded, you will be no earthly good. Let me tell you this. The more heavenly minded you are, the more earthly good you'll be by the power of heaven and not the power of the things of this world and the, and the rulerships of this world. It is by grace. It's not by our works. That is how this manifests. Malachi 4 verse 1 says that, let me read Malachi 4 1. <clears throat> For behold, the day comes that shall burn as an oven, and they that are proud, yes, all they that are wickedly shall be stubble. 
and the day that comes shall burn them up, says the Lord of hosts, and it shall leave them neither root nor, root nor branch. But unto you that fear my name, the sun, the ball of fire in the sky, shall, ar- shall arise with righteousness, Excuse me, but unto you that fear my name shall the son of righteousness arise with healing in his wings, and you shall go forth and grow up as calves of the stall. This passage, where it says that the proud, those who do things proudly and wickedly, that they shall be burnt up, was fulfilled in Matthew 9, where the woman went and, and that was diseased with the issue of blood. Matthew 9 20, and this is what it says, and behold, a woman which had which was diseased with an issue of blood, 12 years, came behind him and touched the hem of his garment or the, the wings of his garment. That's what it means. For she said within herself, if I may touch, the, touch his garment, I shall be made whole. And that is the fulfillment of Malachi 4, which says there's healing in his wings. The son of righteousness will arise with healing in his wings. This woman says, let me touch the wings of his garment. I shall be made whole. And we find that the kingdom of God has been inaugurated by Jesus Christ. We are under the power of the resurrection from where our peace and our joy come. This has already started, and Matthew recorded that as the fulfillment of Malachi 4. The sun of righteousness is shining over you, my friend. Let us not be full of pride, thinking that God needs us to do things. Let us rather be humble and say, of ourselves, we can do nothing, but we believe upon him. And so shall we have life. Glory to God. Well, church, I've come to the, to the end of my message. Um, Jesus says, I go to prepare a place for you where you can have eternal security. You know, I, I spoke to a, a preacher, an old man. He preached in my church, and I said to him, when he, when he left, Elena and I were standing at his car, the Etemilda house, and as the guy drove away, I said to him, now be safe. You know, I said, drive safely. He said to me, young man, let me tell you this. If I come or go, I'm always safe. By that he meant, if I live or die, I'm safe. Now, that's another way of living. And that guy, I always see him happy because he has found the security in the eternal life that God has given him. I think the problem is that we have made eternal life as something that is in heaven which we would attain unto when we die. Eternal life is is contained inside physicality at the right hand of God. And that eternal life is the hope of this whole world so that we as humans and this earth has got its the hope of eternal preservation by him. Should we as Christians believe that, we will not be bothered by man's futile efforts wherein it tries to preserve the world. And Politics and all these things would have its its rightful place, but it would be a very small little place down there in the corner which does not have the power to touch our peace and our joy and all those kind of things. Glory to God. My message summarized is this. Jesus is Lord. And, there, and there's no end to the experience to the to the growth and the and his kingdom that's ever expanding and manifesting in this world and you and me are of that kingdom let's keep our eyes on jesus christ let me pray for you
Father, thank you so much for your grace and your mercy. Thank you so much for your kindness. Thank you for the love that you have given us. And thank you that we can today sit as believers and know that you've come to give us peace, true peace, true joy that is greater than what this world can offer. And thank you that what we have is eternal. Amen and amen. Thank you so much for watching and just uh, follow me on Facebook as I will give you regular messages there encouraging you in this message. Know this, that God loves you forever. Amen.